Moses, and the Phillies have the National League Championship. They have beaten the Padres 4-3, and they celebrate on their home turf as the Phillies are the 2022 NL From WHYY and Billy Penn, this is your Friday edition of Hitting Season. I'm Justin Clue. I write for Baseball Prospectus and Billy Penn. With me is Liz Rocher of Yahoo Sports. Hello, that's, Liz. That's me. Hello. What a week. Well, I'll tell you. When I <laughs> When I was buying my ticket for Meg 2 colon the trench on Wednesday, <laughs> I didn't know I'd be doing so in lieu of witnessing the greatest night of Philadelphia Phillies baseball ever witnessed by human beings. Yeah, uh, I mean, I obviously came home and watched the full replay of this game. By the way, Meg 2 totally worth uh, the price of admission <laughs> definitely pulled their punches in, in some areas i share jason statham's disappointment in the lack of gore in the movie <laughs> that being said uh i heard the phillies game was pretty good too yes, uh, and yes. i never i never really watched the full replay of, of games but i obviously sat down and watched the entirety of of, uh, of wednesday night's game because it was historic literally i mean this was this was a game that just exploded with narratives on a random midweek seven o'clock game and you know to think we all sat here a week ago and you elizabeth rocher said i'm done i'm out on this team they're never gonna make it you said liam castiano should be banned from the stadium you said that cat they found in miami should be catapulted into the sun your words and then you said you were the Zodiac Killer and ran away. I can't believe more pillar, more people haven't mentioned uh, that episode to us. But no, I'm uh, waiting for the FBI. I mean, they're not coming. <laughs> uh, but no, that was. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance to to react to Wednesday Wednesday night's game because uh, believe. Correct me if I'm wrong. The last no hitter you saw was the no hitter you were present for. I believe on your birthday. I was not present was... for that. Oh, okay. Sadly. Were, right. It happened on my birthday, and I watched the whole thing. Ah, gotcha. Uh, from start to finish. But uh, my reaction is, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you expect things to be a little bit more, like, portentous, you, you know. But, like, I was – I had to listen to the Nationals broadcast. Uh, oh, we're going to talk way, about that. We're going to talk about that. Don't worry yeah. about that. <laughs> okay, yeah. um, and I'm just, like, sitting there in normal clothes, you know, like a normal person would on a regular night. And I'm just, like, looking at the television, like, what is happening? <laughs> is this it's allowed? Just, it, exactly. Like, is this allowed at this point in the season? People are paying attention and there's like a big deal. There's like a bunch of narratives. Like my favorite thing is that Michael Lorenzo almost did this last week. Yeah. He almost did this at his first start. Cause he went eight innings. It's like his body was trying to throw a no hitter and yeah. no one else would listen. His body was ready to throw a no hitter. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. They proved and, that uh, pretty immediately. Just had to, just needed the opportunity to do so when he did it. Because uh, that was one of the, I mean, he didn't seem to be in trouble at any point. He put out no effort. He didn't look particularly tired. He threw, what, like 124 pitches. And, you know, he's fine. <laughs> he, I'm sure he's going to be fine because he, well, he does all those weightlifting videos. He's strong. Yeah, sure. I mean, muscles, the bigger your muscles are, the more unkillable you become. That is the sign that hangs in my gym, I know. So, uh, yeah, he did look invincible out there. He and, did. But the Phillies have had, like, the kind of luck, and they're, like, at the point in their careers where at the end of the game, when he jumped into JT Real Muto's arms, and JT, like, bent bent his back 
backwards to like carry him. I was just like, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hello, hello. hey, now. <laughs> I mean, That's I mean, not... is that going to be a huge loss to the batting order if JT <laughs> tweaks his back? No, but still, you don't want you know your starters obviously getting hurt as you're making a playoff run. But yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, let's all just let's okay, let's have fun out there. But uh, everybody, get in your bubbles. And so when you collide, it, it, it you know it barely feel anything. Uh, but yeah, that was that was an incredible night. Lorenzen's no hitter, obviously. That's the kind of thing I feel like I've seen happen to the Phillies more often in the past couple of years. So I have like when you say no hitter, I, it's more like negative connotations for me. I'm like, oh god, again. And I turn out like, oh oh okay, they they're throwing the no hitter. Oh interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's always the surprise, especially against the Nationals who had uh, had the longest no hit drought. Yeah, yeah, not since they'd moved to Washington. They had not been no hit. Uh, that's, uh, that's yeah, which beautiful. is wild because they were very bad. I, I would say they they have been among the league's worst more than they've been among the league's best since moving to Washington. 100%. They had, like, yeah. what, three years of good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's uh, yeah, that's 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 no no small feat certainly. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of people will say, oh, it was it was just the Nationals, but I mean, I know hit, no hitting a team is no hitting a team. They're all major league baseball players. Yeah, and also they had won five of their last six, so like they clearly had found a little patch of success. They were catching them at probably their hottest point of the season. So, yeah, it's a Major League Baseball team. And, and you know how much luck goes into throwing a no-hitter, too. Like, you know, you got to – there was there were plays in that game where you thought, okay, well, that was that was the miracle. Now it's up to Lorenzen to get the rest of the way. So, yep. uh, on top of that, you had Weston Wilson's first Major League at bat and first Major League hit and first Major League home run, which was absolutely incredible. I love when that happens. Uh, and you had Nick Castellanos homer twice – and hit the 200 home run benchmark for his career. I mean, pick a pick a topic. And uh, yeah, if I were a, if you were a beat writer looking for a challenge, it would be like write the game story, not circulating it around any of those things. Find to find a fourth thing to write that about. I don't know. If, do you think beat writers give themselves little little personal challenges like that when they're trying to meet a deadline in I August? Hope they do. <laughs> I hope they do. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they're like, all right, whoever whoever finishes this Rubik's Cube first gets to run with the Lorenzen story first. It like, is August. They're all tired and bored and probably tired of each other and tired of the Phillies and the Phillies are tired of them and Well, I mean, what is yeah, well, anyway, yeah. You're you're probably right. But yeah, this is uh <laughs> This was uh, an awesome game. What a, what a gift. Just one of those games. That, I mean, this this easily rockets up to regular season game of the year, number one, oh, I would completely. say. How, there's, what else could possibly beat it? Well, the Trey Turner uh, after the ovation finding success at the plate game was probably <laughs> right up there. And then to have this happen less than a week later was like, oh, wow. OK, maybe there maybe there is something to this time when people are like, oh, I think they're turning the corner because we've said that before and you can point to we we talked about this how cushy this 10 game homestand was going to be and what an opportunity it was to win some games and you know I don't see anybody out there right now saying like well they're beating easy teams I hope that's I hope that's the general idea right now because it doesn't matter who they're playing they just need to win they they've proven to... they can lose to anyone they could just as easily lose to these these subpar teams they're playing here you got the twins coming in next but uh yeah they're winning these games that is a 10 game homestand they've played seven games they've won five they should have won the other two honestly and i don't even mean like they were winnable games they were games that you could consider one 
Uh, <laughs> so those were two games that definitely slipped through their fingers. Um, so after that wonderful game on Wednesday, uh, yeah, we did. Some of us did have to watch that uh, through the lens of the Nationals announcers. So before we get to last night's mm-hmm. game, I did want to dwell on this for a minute, Liz. I mean, look, we can go to this well anytime. It seems like you know we're, we're past the first generation of Washington Nationals broadcasters who who really brought a deep, deep homerism and corniness to their uh, to their booth that routinely has them uh, among the lower ranked broadcast teams across all of baseball. But now we're into a, a completely new set of guys, mm-hmm. and they're doing the same exact thing. I would say probably not even as well, but they're doing no, the same it, thing. It's different. It's uh, it's different. Uh, the the new guys are like, I found them largely inoffensive, mm-hmm. but because uh, Kevin Franzen's there, and God love him, he's trying his best. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, none of this is a griping. case of us being offended. That yeah, no, certainly no, not. No, no, no. Like he's um, I just love listening to Franzen because he's he's got this horrible, horrible team, and he's trying to find good things. And at one point, I know uh, on Thursday night, he settled on, uh, you know, I know that whoever it was, it was the bat just got an out, but it was a 10-pitch at bat. It was really long, and that gives Patrick Corbin more time to recover between innings. <laughs> to consider retirement, yeah. yeah. I, um... I was just like, Franzen, you're doing a great job, but I don't know who they have a partnered with, but he's the equivalent of, room temperature water <laughs> he really and doesn't have a lot of uh, no like jubilation there's, there's no personality there's no excitement there's no nothing um and w- which is why i was sitting on my couch being like oh i, I guess someone just hit a-, a really important home run and i had not even really noticed it because yeah. it, it no tone change no there wasn't even a disgusted sound it was just like normal and I'm just like, this sucks. I'd rather someone be angry than this. Seriously, I mean, it must be it must be a directive from from on high. I mean, every everything the Nationals do is like given a little they're given a little flower by the broadcast booth. Like, good job, no matter what the outcome of the play was. And and to Franson's credit, you're right. I've never seen a broadcaster like take more pregnant pauses to really be like, okay, what's What's the thing to say here after a complete disaster? Uh, I think that was in the post game on Thursday. He was sitting there. They asked him a question. He was like, <sighs> and like needed a second to really to come up with something. Uh, but like the, what I noticed, what I really started to enjoy was that everything the Nationals players did was done with this like ridiculous adverb inserted in before it. So like, oh, he wisely throws it home. Yes, or, or, yes, he, you're right. He, oh, they, a perfectly turned double play or a wonderfully execu- executed routine out, you know, just, just to give it that extra little like, hey, these guys, they're pretty good out there. And then I don't know if it's just when they're playing the Phillies or what, but alternatively, everything the other team does is boring or dumb. And like the home run calls, to your point, for the Phillies, they weren't just read flatly. There was like a genuine morose shift in the man's voice like he was watching the storming of the Capitol. And I've really come to enjoy it because I would it's say great. team team broadcasts are, are, you know, all of them are at least sort of homers. I'm not faulting them yeah. for it. I'm simply just talking about That's it. Their but point. The Nas- That's why they're there. The Nationals are clearly given directives from, to be o- more, like, more over the top than other teams. Either that or they're just choosing to because it, and it's, it just makes it even funnier. Uh, so, I, yeah, I really enjoy – when I watched the replay of that, I was like, yeah, wow, he's really – He's getting these in every time, and then like Alec Bohm running to the to the uh, railing to try and catch a foul ball and missing, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess Bohm just whiffed on that one." 
and like just moved on. Like, <laughs> right? but yeah, I guess I guess he just wasn't good enough to catch that. All right, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> just just awesome. Uh, that's what that's what you want from your uh, your last place team. You want uh, complete homers in the booth to tell you, hey, this is actually this is good. Remember that column that came out a couple weeks ago? Was that Tom Boswell? It's actually good that the Nationals don't have any of their former All-Stars and that they're a team that's bad now. Because in the future, they will be good. (laughs) Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, so in short, on Wednesday, there was a lot going on in that game. And then it was Thursday. By the fourth inning, the Phillies had not scored in a bases-loaded, no-out situation they had left five men on base in three innings. They had and I failed had screamed in... into my couch cushions at least 50 times. <laughs> They'd failed in five chances with runners in scoring position. Bryce Harper and Wes Wilson both experienced what we'll call unfortunate defensive events. Uh, <laughs> then two runners got picked off. If not, if not for Dom Smith bobbling the ball, both of them would have been out. Uh, but obviously one of them was. Bryce Harper got hit in the face with a throw, but when he was pulled from the game, it turned out it was for a mid-back spasm. Uh, and Aaron Nola was on the mound. So we had yet to watch him ruin everything at the time. Uh, by the time it was 6-2 to two later in the game, the Phillies had scored 25 runs in this four-game series with the Nationals, 20 of which had come on the long ball. Boy, I had given up on this team showing the power it was supposed to have. Uh, I mean, do you want to even talk about this? Or do you think we'll scare it off? I don't know. I'm frightened. They've hit <laughs> enough now that I'm I'm hoping that it, it's a thing. But, like, yeah, that's where all the homers have been hiding, just here. Just here at, um, at this homestand, just waiting for the Phillies to get here, and now they've all come out. Trey Turner hit a home run. Nick Castellanos hit a home run. JT Real Muto hit a home run. And after such a, a bumbling first half of this game, uh, it was really a reminder of why you build a team around home run hitters because things can change quickly. Suddenly, a lot of offense uh, can happen in a, in a short amount of time. You know, the Phillies can fall behind. Uh, you know, they can they can look a little lifeless at the plate, and then you know, guys start connecting. Guys start seeing the pitches they want to see. They start getting a little more patient in their at bats, and and uh, you know, next thing you know, they're hitting them over the wall like they're supposed to, and. I mean, dare we say this is what uh, this is what we said needed to happen for this team down the stretch. This would be a big acquisition, their own offense to, to start hitting the way it's supposed to. Uh, so dare we say this is a reflection of things to come or, or are we not are we not ready to go beyond crediting this with just like a hot game, a, a hot stretch, playing a crappy team, you know, with a tired bullpen. Let's not let's not go out of our minds yet. Um, I would. I'm, yeah, let's not go out of our minds yet. Let's. Mm. let's I would calm. prefer to, though. I know. I want to as well. Believe me, I really do. But uh, I just, uh, my 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 mantra with this team has always been, show me. And now it's August. It's mid-August, and they've finally shown us, hey, look at that. We know how to hit home runs. We know how to do that. Um, we can still screw up everywhere and win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's and the when, beauty of the home run. It's like a cheat code almost. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can have a, a bad-looking game that feels like a loss, and then, you know, the offense gets in gear, and suddenly we're up by four or five runs. Okay, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's what a home run does. That's great. I was, I was looking at the score. Like, I'd gone to wash the dishes and come back, and I looked at the score last night, and I'm just like, how did they get so many runs in such a short time? 
Shouldn't they still be on the base, <laughs> on the bases, like giving me Ajita? Like, what is it supposed to be that easy? Like, yes, that is an option to score a run in a major league baseball no, game. No, no, no. You got to load the bases uh, over a period of no less than 15 to 20 minutes and then get all three outs in the inning within 90 seconds. <laughs> that's that's how an offense works. All right. Screaming, yelling. Not like this newfangled <laughs> version of the game where they're hitting it over the fence and jogging around the bases like a bunch of lazy bones. Like, good <laughs> lord. Yeah, well, I, I think that there's, in, there's certain cases where people are seeing success where there wasn't before. And uh, uh, looking at it as, yes, this is it. This is the turnaround. And I'm referring specifically to Trey Turner. Uh, Todd Zalecki wrote yesterday that Turner hit a go-ahead two-run home run to left center field in the sixth inning in the Phil's 6-2 victory over the Nationals on Thursday night at Citizens Bank Park. It capped a remarkable week for him. Turner is batting 370, 10 for 27, with four doubles, two home runs, eight RBI, and an 11.34 OPS in seven games since last Friday when he got standing ovations before each of his plate appearances against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, now, Liz, we're not gonna bring, we're gonna dredge that whole topic back up again. But I'm, I'm just thinking of last year when the Phillies fired their manager at the beginning of June. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, and replaced <laughs> no, not <him>, really. <laughs> replaced Joe Girardi with Rob Thompson, their current manager. Uh, and everyone, everyone leading up to that, you know, there was a, a section of people saying, "Well, changing the manager doesn't do anything anyway." And there's always those people when the topic of should the manager be fired come up comes up because. That's one of the angles you can take, and everybody is just generating content. Uh, and then it turned out, even you know, even us supporters of the move certainly hadn't predicted that it would have the sort of impact that the team would undergo such a dramatic and significant turnaround once that happened. Uh, but they did, unarguably. The team flipped a switch, got extremely hot that June and July, and really just took off. And that was a major, you know, that was pretty much the turn, the starting point for their postseason run. A change that doesn't always have that kind of effect on a team, but did in this case. Flash forward to now, and we're once again debating whether some small thing that could have easily not been credited with working, the standing ovation that was much maligned in Philadelphia, uh, that, you know, the, the extra bit of clapping someone suggested that resulted in whining, complaining, condescending, tough guy posturing, attention-seeking, contrarian trash-posting, logical fallacy positing, and baseless conclusion drawing. Man, this really rankled you, didn't it? <laughs> I mean, this, you just uh... rattled off so many things, and it's in the past. It's all happened now. It's over. I know. And I'm just mentioning so it. you're so angry about it. It's great. I just... I'm just mentioning it. I'm just mentioning it. I'm not dwelling on it. Even though I'm lot of, <laughs> oh, using sure. a lot of words. The uh, 25 but to 30 seconds you just spent using words to describe it. Definitely not dwelling. That's called context. All right. <laughs> it's, I'm setting it up. I'm setting up what my overall point is going to be. And that overall point is, have we, watched, have we once again watched uh, somebody's on switch get flipped by something no one really expected to make the impact it has? It's definitely possible. Uh, this is, I have not checked, uh, but I'm going to guess this is probably the best seven-day stretch or seven-game stretch uh, Turner has had with the Phillies all season. I can't imagine he did any better than this at any other point. So, I um, <clears throat> I hope that his on switch has been flipped. Um, I, we might need to wait a little bit longer to be sure, but it would be, it would be great. And then it was like just a, a simple thing, like... 
this should prove to everybody that you, no one knows what causes anything. <laughs> no one knows this. Like, when it, <laughs> let this be a lesson to everyone. Lesson. No, you don't know who knows anything. <laughs> but like, we all think we know baseball, but you know, a, a standing ovation helped Trey Turner get his head together, get his body together, and get everything in concert to have a really great stretch. And we don't know what it was. Was it the extra support? Was it something that clicked in his brain when he realized, oh, they are going to love me still? You know, who knows what it was? It could have been nothing. But it would be cool if that's what it was. Hey, props to whoever was either in Turner's ear or maybe it was Turner himself who was like, hey, you got to do you got to do thank you billboards. Oh, boy. Talk about that's that's when you're when you're putting down that food bowl of of pandering to the Philadelphia people. That's that's just some prime rib in in the bowl. That oh yeah, is, that, <laughs> well done, well done. Like there, <laughs> the, people have started saying things about Philly fans that I don't. No one needs to say anything. Like the only reason oh. people are saying things is because <laughs> Philly fans have uh, an I'm going to say an undeserved reputation of being like criminals when all we are just belligerently horrible so that's an important thing like there's a wow they clapped instead of eating him alive incredible all we are is belligerently horrible (laughs) (laughs) if our biggest crime is being belligerent horrible people then lock us oh you're locking us up you actually you are locking us up. but there's a difference between you know that and you know eating a baby (laughs) Which I don't think people people on the internet have not understood. I think that that's a fair that's a fair statement, a fair and objectively accurate statement. Yes, exactly. I, like, yeah. I, I, this is go ahead. go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say this has been your unwavering support of unwavering home of unwavering support for the 2023 Phillies here on Hidden Seasons, of course. <laughs> uh, and by unwavering, I mean wavering when appropriate. When but, appropriate. But haven't you heard? Philadelphia's soft now. Baseball's resident badass, Ken Rosenthal, was handing out judgment the other day and decided he wanted some of what you would call negative attention because the second word of that phrase is what his entire brand is built on. Uh, so a national writer was, yes, calling out Phillies fans for being soft. And, you know, I, I, my main complaint is is why he was doing this. And it's just engagement I, farming. That's all it is. Yeah. It is, and I was I was honestly very pleased because I saw that he said this on some, you know, hor- video recorded in his office with terrible production values, um, and uh, it looked like it was something he does weekly, mm-hmm. but it got like next to no engagement, I and know. you could tell they'd had this plan to get like a ton of engagement from Phillies fans, but nobody really noticed or responded, which I was like, perfect, yep. that is exactly right. Uh, so even more pathetically. They just kept pumping that statement out. I believe they took like what he said in that video and put it into an article mm-hmm. so they could pump it out again just to get like, well, no, maybe enough people just didn't see it. And so then, of course, unfortunately, then you did start to see more people responding to it on Thursday. Uh, but it was there was a nice few days to watch this idiot squirm and doubt the guidance of the social media analysts who told him to do it. I mean, that but it was that that's all that was that had, that honestly had nothing to do with baseball. And it was, you know, just stupid. I, I don't even really want to like get into the details of what he said. It's no. pretty typical stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's easy. Outsiders don't know. But I feel like, in you know, those of us who are in actually in the fandom can 
understand just sort of how the fan base has changed. I feel like since the 08 World Series, since the 2017 um, Super Bowl, and then last year with, you know, a Super Bowl and a World Series in the same, you know, in the same six months. Like, it's, things have changed a lot after a lot of unsuccess, a lot of anti-success. I think everyone in Philly feels more grateful of what we have. You know, there it, there's less, um, well, there's less of nothing, but there's more, <laughs> there's, there's more... <laughs> There's, There's more, more understanding. Of... It's it's just like a gener it's it's a generational change in the fan base. I think from largely fist shaking, angry beer filled men to ang- slightly less angry beer filled fist shaking twenty year olds. <laughs> you know, twenty five thirty year olds that type of thing. Uh, look, whether you you think you can clap or scream a success into a, a player where regardless you can't argue with the results yeah and i'm i'm enjoying the parallel here um that it that turner has managed to maintain the success for even this long for right. even a week is like yay uh and that he's not an automatic out right now and that he you you do want to watch his at bats and he has come through for this team in big spots and runs are starting to come in and home runs are starting to be hit uh that that is a place we have we have sought to be all season long. So regardless of what led to this, who cares oh, how yeah. we got here? Oh my gosh, it's happening. Yay. Uh, but additionally, it's also just another moment like the one I brought up before where Ken Rosenthal was one of the, one of the ones leading the parade saying, "Oh, you know, my I'm adding this parenthetical in, my friend Joe Girardi, like firing him isn't going to help the Phillies." And whoops, it totally absolutely did. And then he wrote like a dumb follow-up that was like i i got it wrong and then the meat of the article was basically like well technically i was right uh so like that wasn't even really a thing uh and now once again he's he's saying oh yeah you guys are soft for clapping for this guy and then once again he's he's proven exactly wrong by the results that are like oh yeah but look how can you think this is a bad thing when it leads to the thing we've wanted all this time we're not softer there's just more depth (laughs) <laughs> there, I mean, it is. It's not. There is just more depth to our fandom than people are ready to recognize, right? I mean, that's what happens when you apply even just a small amount of logic to the proceedings. It's just like, yeah, yeah but but who cares? Because a, that's over, and b, look look at him, look look at him. I mean, God, he's he's hitting the ball. Mm-hmm. That's I again. I am kind of overwhelmed by the immediacy of the impact of something that wasn't necessarily supposed to make as big of an impact as it did. So, yeah, uh, that was uh, <laughs> that's just very funny. We're definitely even just even the little we've talked about it here is going too deep on it because all it was intended to be was attention for the person who said it, and we're giving him that technically by saying but, uh, that here. So <laughs> we are giving him attention, but. I think it's it's a good thing to do some self-reflection on the fandom and how far we've come and, you know, we will still kill you and eat you alive, but we also now understand mental health. 
Yeah, right. I was telling somebody, uh, they were talking about like old, uh, I think an old older stadium in Baltimore. They're like, oh yeah, we weren't able to get into the stadium at one point because too many people were being dragged out for like fighting and being rowdy in the stadium. And I was like, see, people bring up all the time the uh, what it means, what, what, what it says about the people when there is a jail in your stadium. But you know what never happened at the vet? Nobody ever, there was never a traffic jam at the entrance because people who were getting in trouble were being dragged out because they were all being, going right to the prison. It's called, it's called efficiency and we figured it out before anybody else and you act like it's, it was a problem for us. Nope. Nope. Once again, remains winning. Another win for the city, putting a jail in its stadiums to, you know, increase the incarceration uh, efficiency of sports fans. I, I mean, look. It's, it's when you're at the head of the when you're at when you're at the head of the trend, you got to just celebrate yourself on occasion. Uh, so yeah, what we're saying. So are we saying the Phillies have definitely turned it around? This is because uh, that's that's the general impression here. Following Thursday night's game, the Phillies took the three of three of four from the Nationals. They took two of three from the um, uh, Royals to start this homestand, and now they get the Twins next. I mean, this is what we wanted. Again, I'll repeat that. <laughs> I will, I will repeat that the two games the Phillies have lost in this homestand were were games that they had won. They were in the palm of their hands, and uh, they, they let them slip through. And it was a showcase of why this team is battling for a wild card spot and not the division. Uh, and that doesn't even mean, you know, oh, I think this team is bad or doesn't deserve the division. It's more that, like, you know, to, to win the, the NL East in 2023, you've got to be as good as the Braves. And it's very hard to be as good as the Braves because the Braves have been very, very good all year, even with their, uh, their, their starting pitching rotation uh, get, getting dented a bit along the way. Uh, so, so far on this 10-game homestand, like I said, they've played seven games. They've won five of them. What stands out for you the most about this so far, Liz? That the Phillies are winning most of the games that they're supposed to or that they should have won even more? (laughs) I'm focusing on that they've won the games that they were supposed to. There have been a couple of very frustrating losses, especially since you said they, they had most of them in hand. They could have won all of those games. But I'm, I am focusing on what they, the good things that they've done because that is it's building confidence because we that that was a huge problem with the team last year and I don't think they've lacked it you know up until this point this year but they certainly lacked it like last year up until Girardi got fired I think this year that you know there's no manager change or anything there's there's you know just one guy who came game in one major guy who came in at the trade deadline who did throw a no hitter but um the these wins here are building confidence and they're building what we now know is the most important thing vibes <laughs> i mean truly the vibes the, the vi- would not be better the vibes have have once again spiked in a positive direction thanks largely to michael lorenzen and this series win uh yeah i mean when a good team plays a bunch of bad teams in a row that is when they are supposed to feel like this i mean this is an opportunity and the phillies are capitalizing on it it's great it's great to see and they're doing it magically too which is the kind of the kind of the abstract part of this that you're starting to see now like oh do they have that 2022 magic and if by 2022 magic you mean you know creating memorable moments at key points of the season, then yes, they seem to have that. But also, if you mean magic, do they have what it takes to rise above this crowded field in the National League wildcard race? Right now, absolutely. 
I mean, what is up with these other wildcard contenders, Liz? The Diamondbacks have lost nine of their last ten. The Reds have lost eight of their last ten. The Marlins have lost seven of their last ten. The Giants pulled a bit out of their tailspin, but they had been losing a bunch lately. Then they just lost two in a row as the Phillies won two in a row, so the Phillies gained two games on them. The hottest team in the wildcard race, other than the Phillies right now, seems to be the Cubs, who just got here, and they don't even technically have a wildcard spot at the moment. How confident are you in the Phillies rising from this bunch here, and had you seen all of these other teams kind of plummeting at this point in the season? Well, we were all wondering why all these teams, you know, how are they all doing so well and surging right now at this point of the season when we must face them? Um, And I said, because that's the way it goes. And now we're on the other end of that. All of those teams are uh, doing the opposite of surging, uh, cratering, and the Phillies are winning more than they have been, yes, but they're also um, being consistent. Uh, a little bit more consistent than they've been. So I'm enjoying this stretch and watching all these teams just sort of fight for it. You know, it's nice to not necessarily, at the moment at least, be the team who's like, oh, God, what's happening? Why? I'm sure we'll be yeah. back there soon. But uh, it, it's nice to not be there even for just a a, a little while. <laughs> well, truthfully, uh, this is... This is not necessarily where you might have imagined the Phillies at this point in the season, but I believe we made reference to this before too. Like a lot, a lot of teams, you know, they they kind of go through the same stretches. It's just when you go through those stretches that that can happen. And I mean, you have a bunch of teams here. There's like you know five, six teams that were all eight to ten games over five hundred uh, before the wild card or before the All Star break and after. And you were like, all right, these are the teams that are going to be in this chase. Uh, all these other teams, I mean, most of these other teams really had been pretty steady and solid, I want to say, through the first half. Like, they had maybe, you know, they'd drop a couple games, but then they'd win, they'd win and, and, you know, stay basically where they were. The Reds obviously went streaking to get where they are. They won, you know, what, like 12 games in a row at one point. Uh, so they're, they're now three games over 500 and, uh, uh, tied with the Cubs is two and a half out in the NL Central, so they have they have fallen back down to earth, but not out of the playoff picture. Unlike teams like the Mets, Pirates, and Padres, who I'm not even really considering playoff teams at this point. Um, but yeah, I guess what I'm saying is the Phillies seem like they've had yeah they had that great stretch before the All Star break, I guess. But they their their success has been much quieter, I feel like, than other teams, and they've been really been under the radar. So like. For them to get at their hottest now would make sense because I, we feel like this is we have not seen them play at their full capacity yet. And this would be great timing if they wanted to, like, you know, just kind of fool around those first couple months and like not have it figured out and make you wonder about who was going to really come out of the starting rotation and who was going to start finally hitting the ball and let Nick Castellanos carry the offense with Bryson Stott bringing up the rear and then get into the second half and. You know, kind of continue that happening, but the rotation has figured it out, and now we're at a point where we have seen this team operating closer to its full potential. Does that include all of the tomfoolery I described before the home runs came on Thursday? Yes, that's part of who this team is. You're going to see more of that moving forward. The point is that, you know, I'm reminded of Mad Men when uh, uh, he, Don is negotiating with Peggy, and she's like, well, you didn't say thank you for my ideas. And he's like, that's what the money's for! 
And I'm just like, that's what the home runs are for. <laughs> you can you can fool around all the time at the beginning of the game. If you guys who are all supposed to be hitting, you know, 30, 40 home runs a year want to start hitting home runs, that's what they do. That's what they're for. That's what they do. So I, if the Phillies are going to get hot now, I'm saying this is a great time. This is just a perfect time because they're playing a ton of beatable teams. And the thing that's outside of their control, all of the other wildcard teams are really starting to stumble. So I'm... I, they're in a great spot entering this series with with the Twins. We'll see where we are uh, after the weekend, but I mean, this is this is one of the best spots they've been in all year. Yeah, like this is the perfect time to peak, or at least to to start achieving your peak. Like this is when you want it to happen. We we've, we've been frustrated throughout the season because we haven't seen them do. You know, we haven't seen them gone on go on. You know, like a a, a tear like this, but like there's. I would rather them do it now than in May, you know, when, you know, mm-hmm. in August, if they're, you know, it's usually the doldrums of the season. You know, you're at the you're at that in between place where the games are almost as important as they'll feel in September, but not quite. <laughs> and so this is like the best time when every other team is tired. The Phillies are building vibes and um, staying consistent and getting wins where they need to. Yeah. I mean, they talked about, well, we're going to, they acquired Lorenzen at the trade deadline. And then we're like, we're going to at least temporarily go into a six man rotation. And you were like, good. That's exactly what needs to happen right now. One of our major issues last year for even our top pitchers was exhaustion and fatigue. So to deepen that uh, rotation and to do it by adding a guy who was like, I got to throw a no hitter or I'm going to explode. Yeah. Was like, all right, great, perfect, yeah, cool. Uh, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Dave Dombrowski walked through the clubhouse after the no-hitter, and, like, Schwarber and Hoskins were both like, wow, great trade, really great <laughs> trade. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's uh, – they are, they are in the top wild card spot in the National League. They've got – they're up by four games. They've won seven of their last ten. Uh, they won two in a row, obviously. They just had a historic night where one of their pitchers threw the 14th no-hitter in, major, in Philly's history. Uh, and they're a game and a half over the Giants in the wild card. They're four over the, the uh, I almost said the Dolphins, the Marlins. And, you know, they're not going to win the NL East, but they don't have to. Now, the problem becomes, <laughs> what's what's going to happen? And, yeah, we talk about, okay, is this team finally turning the corner? That would be great. And it would be great. But we also saw Bryce Harper get pulled out of that game yesterday with mild back spasms. Um, Today, Todd Zalecki wrote that Rob Thompson said it was just day-to-day. They'll check him out tomorrow. Zalecki wrote that it's unclear how Harper might have tweaked his back, although he looked uncomfortable after fielding a pickoff throw from Aaron Nola and swiping to tag C.J. Abrams in the third inning. Uh, He doesn't know where it happened, I don't think, Thompson said. So this is just kind of like a... I mean, are you reading anything more ominous uh, in here than, than just exactly what they're saying? That, like, you know, this is a guy who has had a litany of health issues this year, uh, has lost a, a, a lot of time due to health issues. Uh, but every time he's on the field, he has found a way to contribute, even if it's not in the way that he typically does. So I think we've all been waiting for Harper to get that power stroke back. He did hit a homer uh, against the Nationals, but then, yes, we saw him removed from the game with... Uh, you know, with back spasms yesterday. So level, you know, it's one to 10. We're talking about how excited we are about this team, but this is a, you know, not positive development. I would say it would make the sudden emergence of Trey Turner as an offensive asset, all the more critical if, if Harper is to miss any time. But 
I mean, where, where, where's your concern level here? I mean, I got a week ago, I got out of bed, dropped my phone, reached down to pick it up, and I am still in pain. So mm -hmm. I can believe then, that he just, that Harper just tweaked his back while doing something more athletic than I've done in like a month. <laughs> And then you went and went three for four for the Phillies that night anyway. Yeah. Too. So there you go. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So so I'm I'm amazed that players don't do this more often. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> considering what they do on a daily basis. So I'm I'm not concerned if it turns into something more. We'll know. But like back spasms are unpleasant and you just sort of have to don't, you know, move less. You know, heat, cool whatever gel they give you rub it on there and you're good. Yeah. It's on its own. It's not, you know, I, I think people are going to be really sensitive about anything happening to Bryce Harper, mm. given what kind of year he's had. So, you know, the question immediately becomes like, okay, but how bad is it? And is this, does this mean something else is happening? Like what's, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. You're going to see some concern about that. And honestly, anytime that uh, topper puts out a lineup without all the starters in it, you're going to see grumbling online. Um, and, you know, certainly that's warranted at times, like when he emptied the entire bench that one game it was just like, why are we why are we doing this? Come on, man. You can you can stagger the off days a little better than that. Uh, but regardless, as we enter the, st the home stretch here, as they are combating fatigue with a six man rotation, you're going to see him. You're going to see Topper getting maybe a little squirrely with the lineup, too. Like, obviously, they have some games to win here. But they also need to make sure that they're addressing this is ideally a longer than just 162 game season. And that was an issue for them by the re by the time they reached the end of the World Series last year. So you're going to see you're going to see guys like Wes Wilson getting some some playing time due to uh, partially due to Brandon Marsh's injury because they've also got him on the shelf as well. Um, and, you know, Johan Rojas is going to get a nice long look here. And boy, what how fun has it been to watch Johan Rojas in uh, in center field? He had nine putouts. Uh, during Michael Lorenzen's no-hitter, which I believe I read was like the most for a center fielder since blah, blah, blah. Maybe since, was that the one I read that was like since 1900? Like he he was obviously a key player. His defense was a key role in that, uh, that no-hitter being a no-hitter. How much fun has it been watching this kid come up and play center field? I've loved it. It's been, um, been an adventure, but somehow a little less frightening than uh, Brandon Marsh. I don't know how. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Marsh is like a th frightening guy. If you think about like, you know, the front door of your house swings open with a heavy gust of wind and who's standing there, Johan Rojas or Brandon Marsh. <laughs> there's there's a more alarming answer among those two choices. It's the guy that looks like Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that, I've enjoyed that's, that's watching him. He's been fun. Uh, you know, the Phillies have young guys. They're up. They're playing them. It it's a, it still feels like a whole new world somehow after years of let's call up this young guy like Nick Maton and have him sit on the bench for four months. I mean, look at that. You got Rojas this year and then Wilson comes up and, and hits a home run in his first at bat. Oh. I mean, that's. That's just that. Yeah, that again. They don't all have to be top prospects. Bryce Harper laid it out a couple years ago. He was talking about like, yeah, sometimes you need those guys that you can just uh, okay. We we kind of need a a, a a guy who can hit for power for like a couple of days, and then you reach for like you know your your spare your Derek Hall, uh, and you you put him in the lineup. And obviously you can't let him get overexposed because he's just not a guy who. Who, who seems to be a ma a starter in at the major league level, but he is good to get dropped into a couple of games and 
hit a couple of deep fly balls for you when you need them. And, you know, you need guys like that too. That, that that's a huge part of a championship team. It really is. You know, yeah, obviously there's big guys you build around, but then to be able to go to your minor league system and not, you know, not necessarily pull out a top 100 prospect every time, they don't but just always to be have able to, to like be get young. a they no, just get a capable guy. 27, 27, 28 who's been in the minors forever and is ready like that's exactly right. We look at the the 08 championship team or even last year's team. They're just dudes on there that you didn't expect to contribute that came to the team in ways that you wouldn't expect and were vital, important players. And it's like that every year. You just don't know who it's going to be. This year, maybe it's him. Maybe it's Johan Rojas. Maybe it is. And regardless, even to this point, he has played a key role for this team. And like I said, he's been a lot. I, I love watching a a, uh, a center fielder who can cover ground, like play mm-hmm. center field. I mean, that is that you realize quickly why not every outfielder is a is a center fielder. And um, yeah, I've really enjoyed seeing Rojas play. And I, I, you know, I think the Phillies are enjoying this look at what he can do, too, because, you know, they're, they're really making more use out of their farm system. I feel like it's just it's even just a lot more functional across the board. Yeah. I know it's 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 top heavy with the with, you know, with mostly pitching at this point. There's not a lot of like top tier prospects. Uh, I believe Justin Crawford only started this year cracking top 100 lists, uh, making him like to the, to the top Phillies position playing prospect. Um, but that being said, there are tons of there. There are guys that you can you can get more functionality out of um, who don't have to be, you know, your top top guys. And Rojas has been he's been a great asset for this team. He, he really has, you know, and, you know, guys like Wes Wilson, at least it's at the very least, you can say it's cool to see them do stuff like hit a home run in their first at bat. Who knows uh, where that's going to go, but the Phillies felt comfortable promoting him too. And is he just huge? I don't know how tall he is, but he looks like he is bigger than, than an average, even professional athlete. Wes Wilson. <laughs> My nuts. Hold on. He it's, looks, he looks like he's eight beard. feet tall. Wes. Six three says baseball reference, well, which honestly, it, that that's not even like. Right. No, that doesn't even seem like that that crazy. Why does he seem My enormous that tall. to me? I don't know. Yeah, you were that tall. Maybe I'm taller than that. Yeah, you actually. are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you dunk Weston Wilson? Because because uh, I cannot. <laughs> I have never. I have never been able to. It's it's pretty embarrassing when you're that close to the basket, just standing and jumping somehow makes you feel further away. <laughs> it's yeah, it's embarrassing. I'll admit that's that. That's me, five feet tall, every day of my life. <laughs> well, the Phillies have quite the weekend in front of them against the Minnesota Twins. Another chance to chew up a team that is pretty beatable. The Twins just lost three of four to the Tigers, by the way, so they're catching the, the Twins at the right time too. No. Um, could be a, a pretty hot weekend here in Philadelphia. So, you know, that's uh, that's something to look forward to uh, as the Phillies continue this 10-game homestand. Liz, before we wrap up here, I wanted to ask you one question. Joey Votto of the Reds put it out there on Twitter yesterday. He asked, "You get, let's say you get an entire year of Major League Plate appearances, approximately 650. Liz, how many hits do you get and how many walks do you get and how many times do you get hit by a pitch? And and yes, he did say Liz, comma in the tweet uh, itself when he was asking. I'm the sad questions. I didn't see that. Could have I could have answered to him directly. Um, <laughs> considering myself, I don't know how many. I would probably take a few more than a few walks because I'm short and my strike zone is nonsense. So um, I might get a hit 
when a ball accidentally glances off my bat and settles like maybe like the perfect four and a half feet in front of home plate Mm -hmm. and everyone looks at each other like that can't really be oh wait nope she's on base and it's fair interesting but it would have they would have had to pause for probably 35 to 40 seconds while i made my way to first base i don't think i would even be able to see the ball i guess that your only your only um uh benefit in, in this situation is that you have so many plate appearances that you could potentially find a, a, a modicum of timing and accidentally put the bat on the ball. But yeah, there was a time at philly.com where they sent me to go try and hit off a pitching machine that could throw a hundred miles an hour. I feel like at the time this was either new or, or at least new to the area. Uh, Cause I think any pitching machine can do that now, but uh, they sent me to go do this. It's not like I could have hit probably even like an 80 mile an hour pitch. So 100 miles an hour was just out of the question. But yeah, the, the fact of the matter was I couldn't even see the ball. Like you don't even, it's just like a whisper of air that mm-hmm. goes by you. And then, you know, you think about a guy changing speeds and location on you. Like I don't even know how to wrap my head around that. The mind games that go on during a major league at bat are unfathomable to the, to the common man, I would say, common person. So yeah, it's uh, I would my guess zero hits for me to O for six hundred and fifty. I feel like how many walks? I don't know. Is the pitcher having a bad day? Can I send him some like nasty tweets and really get in his head before the game? You know, is he is he easily gaslightable? These are the questions I have about me potentially getting a walk from a major league pitcher. I would have to manipulate him mentally in real life before the game started so that his thoughts would be elsewhere. Because unlike you, I think my strike zone is enormous. Yeah, your strike zone is Uh. normal. You're a normal-sized human. Uh, And then hit by a pitch, you're probably a lot. I don't know. I just assume every pitcher in Major League Baseball has uh, a reason to want to kill me. So why, why not? It's the perfect opportunity. I'm right there. I'm standing right there. And you've got a murder weapon attached to your body. Just go ahead and unload. So yeah, I I don't know. I would say I would say I get hit by a pitch. Well, they also are probably gonna have pinpoint control. Let's say ten ten times I get hit by a pitch. Uh two walks, no hits in six hundred and fifty plate appearances. What did you say for years again? Um, I didn't give a number. Uh I said I'd probably take a handful of walks, maybe I'll say four. Mm. <laughs> Let's say four out of out of what hundred and six hundred some odd four maybe five walks. Okay, maybe I'd I think get hit. Reasonable. I think I'd get hit by a pitch more than a few times because of because <laughs> I'm small. <laughs> I think that's my my main. <laughs> Getting injured is the only way I have to get on base. <laughs> oh, big time, big time! I'm shamelessly stepping across the plate and taking a ball like the shoulder blade. Uh, yeah, any, anytime I can, I I'm trying to get away with purposefully being hit by the baseball. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely happening. Yeah. Uh, all right. One last thing I did, I forgot. I wanted to mention this. So I mentioned, um, all that stuff happened on Wednesday. All the, uh, the, the bad looking Phillies events happened, uh, before. And I said before Aaron Nola ruined everything. I wrote that before the game was over and I just wanted to say Aaron Nola did not ruin everything. No, he I didn't. think f- fairness for fairness's sake here, Aaron Nola, um, you know, he didn't have a great start, but it, there was no complete unraveling uh, that we've seen countless times from him before. And I expect there, I think we're beyond the point with Nola that you can expect um, change. I think it's already 
too late been another classic Aaron Nola year. I think when he pitches, you got to just hope you get a start like this, where he looks good enough to last long enough that the Phillies can win the game. You know, it's going to help a lot if the offense is finding its power. Uh, that would be that would be a huge boon for Aaron Nola starts specifically because it would mean, you know, more runs mean he can give up as many as he wants and the team can still homer their way back into the lead. But uh, I will say that you can, yeah, this is this is largely what you can hope for in a positive way in an Aaron Nola start. Yes. That he is good enough to hold them off the board and that exits soon enough before he has that fifth, sixth inning unraveling that tends to happen uh, near the end of each of his starts. So, yep. I, but I wanted to point out, you know, we, I was setting that up to be like a, oh, blame Aaron Nola for everything thing. Couldn't do it this time. They won the game. He did his job well enough. And, you know, again, credit where credit's due. Yes, agree. You have to know how to handle Aaron Nola. And uh, I hope, I think... Uh, Topper has f- hopefully figured out how to do it without, you know, saying like, listen, I think you're going to screw it up sometime today, sometime in the <laughs> in the fifth inning. So just beware. I'm going to take you out probably right around then before you ruin the game for everyone. Listen, Aaron, there's a lot of tooth marks in that metal railing uh, in, our, in the dugout. <laughs> I'm sure you've noticed of, that. Yes. Each, one, each cluster is from one of your starts. I just wanted to tell you that before I take the baseball from you. That's like Thanks. my mother right. telling me how much gray hair I gave her. She's like, you can see, you know, one sister's on one side, the other sister's on the other. But I'm like the big giant. I'm like the majority of the head. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I wish it was just like forming a pattern that actually looked like each of your faces in the sections where. <laughs> now, that would be amazing. Um. But yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, it's funny when you said you have to know how to handle Aaron Nola. I, I didn't realize you were talking about uh, Topper until you said that. I thought you meant from a fan's perspective. And I think that's also true, that as a fan, you have to learn how to watch Aaron Nola yes, and understand you, you. You could be watching a movie with a tragic twist in it <laughs> that you don't at any time. Know. About half the time, you, you, that's probably going to happen. Um, and yeah, I, but it's taken us till mid August, but dare I say we have reached a mentally healthy place enough to watch Aaronola starts Liz? I, I mean, yes, I, we all watched yesterday with trepidation, but it turned out all right. Yeah. And plus we're all soft now. We're, yeah. we're soft enough to, to have uh, logical approaches. <laughs> like we wouldn't have booed Aaronola yesterday. If he was <laughs> awful. Like the people there would not have opened their mouths and let the booze freely fly forth. If he oh, had oh. The best angle was like, oh, so like we clap for uh, Trey Turner, but you're giving Kyle Schwarber, the sub 200 batting average, a pass. Oh, you're giving Aaron Nola a pass. Like, no, who's handing out passes? No what are you talking about? <laughs> this is just the thing that happened. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Somebody said it, then somebody else said it, and then it became the thing that was going on. If you want to do that with Schwarber, sure. But get ready for a week long uh, uh, content generation dump of of people feigning emotions they don't have and are likely exhausted from their own uselessness uh but in any case uh good vibes coming off the phillies good vibes coming off them uh good vibes coming off this home stand good vibes coming into this series this weekend it is good vibes hopefully we're still talking about them on monday as always if you want to get more episodes of Hit and Season and stay tuned for new episodes of Hit and Season, head to billypen.com slash hit and season. And for even more content, uh, if you feel like paying extra at our patreon.com slash hit and season, you can find even more bonus Phillies content. 
with an with even with even more unfiltered takes on the proceedings of the Philadelphia Phillies as they enter the home stretch of the regular season. From WHYY and Billy Penn, I'm Justin Clue, that's Liz Rocher, and this has been Hitting Season. <laughs>